Michael, where you at, man? We got the boar gullet mess pretty much cleaned up. I think we're good now. Where the hell? Oh, okay. You left me a message. Okay. Oh, is this thing on? How do I turn? Oh, it says recording. Oh, sorry. hey, Nathan, I'm recording you a message. This isn't actually me, in case you didn't figure that out. So, turns out the plans for the vault, you've got to go get them. I've been working really hard on them because I was trying to get some stuff, you know, past uh, the upstairs so that we can get everything we need. So, that's where I set my crap, my crapper. Uh, there's going to be a toilet in the vault when we do it. So, I need you. You're going to have to get in. It's completely shielded. Risk your life. And then from there, you will get the plans. Bring them back. So we'll build the vault. All right. Um, I'm out. Let's see. I turn this thing off. That's it. All right. I think it's off. Hey, what's going on? Um, yes. If I can get two with the... Um, no, no. No sides. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I got to go get data on a disk. Data he's been working on. I left him a message on a disk. Why the hell did you just put the data on the d Oh. All right. Fine. Fine. Where's the blind, dude? I'm going to need some help. Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. Welcome, scoundrels, to another episode of Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. And, of course, I am Michael Morris, and that other voice that you're about to hear, that's Nathan Butler. Go ahead and let him hear it. Hey, everybody. Survived going and getting his asinine plans. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought it was... I, I labeled everything out for you. It. Uh, I thought I did good this time. I don't. I don't understand the pr issue. I don't know, but there was some crazy guy in a white suit who chased me down to the antenna machine, griping about how I lose nothing but property value, and I don't even know what that's all about. So. Oh yeah, that guy. He's nuts. But I mean, there was no other way to do it, right? I just. I. I have. You had to go there and, and get the plans. R right, and you recorded the message on the same computer that you had the plans on, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's I actually... Um, I put that file right in, into the folder right next to the other one so I wouldn't lose it. Right. There's a damage bill coming your way. Oh. Okay, well, as long as no one died. About that. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Awesome. Uh, so anyhow, we're way behind... Like, we're way behind. And it's completely my fault. Like, 150%. Uh, but first, the one thing I do want to forget, or I want to forget, yes, what I want to forget is this last month. Uh, it's been awful. Uh, the one thing I don't want to forget is to uh, go ahead and make mention that we received a, uh, a review on iTunes, which we're always asking people to do and we got one so we definitely wanted to point it out read it and say thank you uh so this was from night yeah i cannot talk today dude knight errant jr 
And uh, says, Cloud City Casino is a lot of fun to listen to. I'd rate it higher, but despite being focused on Star Wars gaming, it's not too hard to find examples of long digressions from (laughs) from that mission statement. And depending on what Star Wars gaming you are interested in, there isn't always even coverage. That's to be expected. Not every topic, especially with a uh, broad mission statement of being about Star Wars gaming, is going to evoke the same level of passion from both hosts uh, all of the time. All of that is fairly minor quibble as both hosts are fun to listen to and uh, they interact uh, with one another well. So, um, you know, it's great because it, it's uh, positive. I mean, we got four stars on that, but also a little constructive criticism there and uh, pretty much on point. So can't argue with them. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like, and it, that digressions I think are going to happen at any point, especially right. when it comes to something like, you know, Rogue One's out, and there's talk about that that's not really within the mission statement. Same thing on Beyond the Films, we talked about Rogue One, and we tried to keep it sort of at that higher level of a discussion where it's sort of beyond the film, but nah, not really, it was basically <laughs> Rogue One. Um, yeah, you're right, we are way, way behind uh, so I figured maybe we could hit this kind of like we did the last time we were way, way, way behind right around uh, uh, the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And that is I've sort of gathered up just sort of a rapid fire. This is what's come out. This is what's new with a little more detail than last time and just some quick little little bites on things that are interesting for either topics we've covered before and sort of adding to them okay. or just general news and such uh, uh, if you care to rapid fire this sucker. Yeah, man. I mean, that's about the only way we're going to have to do it. And, um, you know, if, if, if we want to cover more in-depth detail on specific things, we can probably hit that later. But I think for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, just mention what what's out and what makes it so cool or so pitiful. But I don't, <laughs> oh, I don't, you go. I don't think we have anything like that, though. Not really. Not really. Um, well, we got a weird one, but that's okay. that's not pitiful per se <laughs> uh, i guess in sort of general tech and uh, gaming news on some stuff that we've covered before uh, we haven't really covered much in the way of 3d gaming because that tends to be now the purview of the 3ds it was really last gen where playstation was attempting with the playstation 3 to do 3d gaming and such that's where that 3d uh display that i have came from we talked about that when we were talking about the 3d collector's edition of the force awakens and how you were looking to buy one of those tvs yourself Well, uh, word has come down as of last month, January, that the last two companies that were adding 3D features uh, to their televisions, Sony and LG, have decided, no, no, we're done. So 3D TVs are pretty much gone as of this year as far as new ones go, um, which sort of begs the question of what happens to Blu-ray 3D. Uh, 3D projectors are still available, certainly still being made. And we just got word that the PlayStation, actually today, that the PlayStation 4 firmware 4.5 is going to introduce something we had talked about when we talked about PlayStation VR, which was it's going to introduce the ability to watch 3D Blu-rays and other 3D content in the uh, the theatrical mode or whatever you call it, in the, um, uh, the viewing mode that's not VR for PlayStation VR. The same thing you'd watch regular Blu-rays and such, and it's going to use that. 3D ability that it uses for VR and allow you to watch those within the headset. Although watching a two-hour movie or something within that headset may be a little uh, bit of a funky proposition. So 3D is 
you know, it was already sort of fading as a gaming thing unless you were playing on a 3DS. It seems as though that's now sort of a non-issue unless you're using a VR rig. Right. Unfortunately. And well and and the thing is too, I mean mentioning the 3DS uh, cuz mine's been getting a lot of play lately. Um that's actually sort of becoming last gen because the the new Nintendo Switch that's coming out, they're saying mm-hmm. that it's not replacing the 3DS that uh, it's replacing the Wii U, but it's going to replace the 3DS because it's a it's a mobile console. So they can go mm-hmm. both ways with it. So um, the way I, I've heard several uh, people that, that are, you know, I guess uh, gaming websites and other forms of media or whatever, they're basically they're like, yeah, we're just considering this an upgrade to both, you know. Um, so I think, unfortunately, 3D is sort of going away, which... I, you know, the funny thing is that I, I've sort of bought into very late because like you were talking about, I, I'd mentioned, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. And I couldn't find one. And then that's when you said the other day, oh, there's only two companies that make them anymore. I'm like, well, no wonder, you know, I like I've had the hardest time trying to find a, a 3D television. So, yeah, the ones that you find now, um, we were actually looking at this, trying to decide whether or not to to scramble to get another 3D TV for, for the home here before they stop making them. And it looks as though really 55-inch seems to be about the minimum of what is still being produced or at least sold in most places. Uh, But what you'll find is – I mean it sort of makes sense. You've got this dwindling market for people who want 3D in the home on a television. Um, It's dropped as a market share since it was introduced in 2010. Uh, Other companies had already dropped out. And you look at the comparison. You have a smart TV that's 55-inch. From LG, I think it was, was the comparison that I did, versus a smart television from LG, 55 inches, that also has the 3D feature with that really as the only distinguishing feature. And you're adding like four or 500 bucks to the price. Right. So just from a cost standpoint for the average consumer, it's it just wasn't sustainable unless it really caught on and – you know, it didn't. There's just something right. very complex about it. People want to be able to be doing stuff perhaps while they're watching things. And with 3D, especially home 3D, a lot of those were active shutter glasses where mm-hmm. you have to be looking at the TV for it to, to fade correctly to show you the correct image as opposed to like if you go to the movie theater, you go see something in real D 3D. It's almost like just wearing a pair of sunglasses. Right. You know, it doesn't matter if you're looking at the screen or not. It's still the same dimness. You're not constantly switching in and out of modes or nothing. They're not powered. So, yeah, 3D at home was always going to be a little tricky. I love it, but I can see why it's why it's going away. Yeah, it's I mean, and I think with that, we can pretty much say that, you know, we we were constantly going, okay, come on, bring out those 3D, um, you know, the prequel films in 3D. I think at this point, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I just have to wonder if Rogue One is going to get a three-day release because the projectors are still out there. The players are still out there. Right. It's just a question of whether or not it's it's worthwhile as a market share. Uh, I think that it may be something where when we look at something like releases of Doctor Strange and things like that, um, right around the time of Rogue One, we'll at least get a sense of what Walt Disney is going to do because that I mean that's the home video source for Star Wars now, Walt Disney Home Video. Right. I mean, I, I would imagine this one is, but let's see if we get like a 3D release of, say, uh, Episode 8, which, oh, we have a title for now, um, the, the Last Jedi. So I got to get used to saying that instead of Episode 8. Yeah, see, you know, I got used to it whenever it was that book that couldn't keep its own chronology straight by uh, Reeves and Bonhoff or the 
Marvel comic of yeah, was, the same name with Jedediah the Jedi. <laughs> that, uh, that, that, that wasn't a joke. That was his real name. Did Je- he did Jedi. he live on Jedda? No. Oh, oh, that would okay. have been appropriate. <laughs> um, it, kind of keeping along the same thing to some degree, we mentioned right. the VR thing here. Um, I did do an upgrade recently. Uh, we decided, no, we're not going to look for another 3D TV or anything like that. But uh, when I got paid from extra students last semester, aside from putting a whole bunch of that towards taxes, because dang, we screwed up our uh, withholding allowance numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to pick up a PlayStation 4 Pro because I had picked up Resident Evil 7, which is going to be a PSVR headset seller, basically. Um, it's a game that's not only a really good survival horror game, but it basically it can be played entirely in first person as just a regular first person shooter on the PS4, or the entire game can be played in full VR, with the exception of a few really fast movement cutscenes that they switch to the um, like the theatrical type mode so that you're not going to puke on yourself. Um, fantastic game, but its resolution was suffering more than most games did with a regular PS4. So we upgraded to PlayStation 4 Pro to get the extra resolution out of it. We don't have a 4K TV, so it's mainly for the PSVR, and it's there is a big noticeable difference. So if you are into PSVR, you're thinking about it, and the resolution thing is a concern, yes, PS4 Pro can help, but that's an extra 400 bucks. Um, and speaking of 400 or 500 bucks, um, you may recall that they've got this incredible shortage going on of PlayStation VR. People who want it can't find it anywhere. Um, and those bundles, the pre-order bundles that had the motion controllers and PSVR worlds and the camera uh, and the headset all together, those bundles sold out very quickly and hadn't shown up again. Apparently within the next month or so, Sony says they're going to have more of those finally back out on the shelves, the bundles themselves, and there's going to be a new bundle where they take out PSVR worlds and slot in Until Dawn Rush of Blood instead. Okay. So the PSVR thing is – this has been a good you know, month or so. Uh, for that, thanks to Resident Evil 7, and I wonder if that's the killer app um, for this. But still no announcement yet on when we're going to see more Star Wars content for it, unfortunately. Uh, and no, if you play the Rogue One X-Wing VR mission from Battlefront on a Pro in VR versus a uh, regular PS4, there haven't been any enhancements for that, which you wouldn't expect with it being free DLC. Right. Well, I mean, as long as long uh, as long as you can get to where you're supposed to. Then you should be fine. Fly in the correct <laughs> direction, sir. But I gotta hit all my buttons first. I'll get to it. Um, I'm w- I want to play that Resident Evil, but I don't want to have to worry about throwing up and pooping my pants. So, I well, may... you know, it's now it may just be that it. I've played VR quite a bit since the the PSVR came out, but I got really sick initially. We talked about it with rigs. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried that again, but I plan to try that again tomorrow when I. Don't have to worry about working. Um, <laughs> but I found that I didn't get motion sick at all from Resident Evil 7. Okay. And it may be because I had my turning set not to smooth but to a thing where it's like little slices. Like you click uh, right and left on the right stick and you turn in like like 45 degree increments or something like that. Um, that it w- it's almost like a blink turn kind of thing. And I, I did not get sick at all. And okay. that's even with aiming your pistol by where you're looking when it's in VR. Though there were times where, yeah, you, you want to 
crap your pants. The first time that <laughs> that uh, a certain character in the first segment killed me with a chainsaw and got right up in my face and stabbed it into my stomach and ripped upward through my face was a little bit of a, a jarring experience, but freaking awesome because <laughs> I love those kinds of games. Yeah. Um, if Star Wars, if they can do anything with Star Wars that that can capture that level of immersion. Um, we're going to see something absolutely mind blowing. So it's a chain vibro blade saw. Something like that. <laughs> uh, speaking of video games, yeah. Um, DLC is done for both of the prominent Star Wars video games of the last year or so. Uh, Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens finally had its last DLC released actually quite a bit ago. We just haven't had a chance to talk about it. And this one was weird. Um, the, all the other, like, new Star Wars stories that were added beyond the movie, and then all the little DLC stories, tended to be ones that actually had some connection to the film or characters from the film. It fleshed out, like, how did Lor Santeca get to Jakku or um, stuff like, I don't know, like the, the Phantom Limb story adapted and then the story around it and, and how did they capture the droid in the first place and all that. So it all seemed like it had some context to it. The last DLC, Escape from Scar from Starkiller Base, you would expect, oh, it's Escape from Starkiller Base, based on the way that they've handled all the other ones. That must be like Hux and Kylo Ren maybe escaping after the duel is over with or something when Snoke tells him to go get Kylo. Uh, no. Instead, it's the story of a pair of previously unknown X-Wing pilots, Cy Thrinali and Lieutenant Wright, who we'd never heard of before at all, who just happened to crash during the battle of Starkiller Base and have to find a way to escape before it's destroyed. The end. Man, it's I the was... most completely disconnected <laughs> DLC I've ever seen, probably. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's cool. I, I like little side stories. I just w wish that it was uh, that guy who goes, even Nux is gone. Like, if, if he was the main character, then that'd be even better. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's like, like, screw you all! I'm getting the heck out of here, man! <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Battlefront also is done with this DLC. We talked about... Uh, recently, the Rogue One Scarif DLC, that is the end. We've been sort of waiting to hear what they're going to do as far as further support goes, and they have done a patch, but there really doesn't seem to be much in the way of any new content coming down the pipeline, like you, like you probably wouldn't expect, you know, now that all the DLCs are out for it. Um, that has actually led me to end my Battlefront livestream podcast until, on the YouTube live streams until battlefront 2 or a battlefront 2 beta or something but it seems like that is really winding down at this point though the hype train has already started to get going for battlefront 2 right. as we learned that it is multi-era and will have a real single player campaign thank you john boyega <laughs> that's they specifically say it. we weren't going to but john boyega <laughs> Yeah, we couldn't anger Finn. Uh, anyway, so EA, please! Like, <laughs> droid, please? Ah, right. I don't know. I, no, I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. That was a little too normal of a reference, I know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's good. So, I guess they'll get me again. Get you that $110. Here, buy the game and now buy a $50 season pass. I wonder, though, if to any extent they've learned a lesson about the DLC. I will tell you that I learned something about myself okay. whenever I was looking at my stats because on the last episode of the live stream, I was just answering questions and talking to the people in the chat and going and just saying kind of like, this is where my experience has led me. And I had like 50 some odd episodes of the live stream, um, which is a lot, especially for Battlefront. 
um, that I grinded the heck out of every time there was a new DLC so I could hit the level cap and unlock whatever the new uh, higher-end costume was and stuff like that. Still didn't ever unlock anything because you'd have to play the game for way longer to even get enough credits to do that. <laughs> but I like upgraded all the star cards, and I, I played the heck out of it. Right. Even though I complained about it plenty. I played the heck out of it. I finally saw on the I finally looked at my stats page. Aside from the fact that I barely ever played Hero Hunt, and that's the one mode I never got a win in, because I played it like three times ever. Um, I spent a hundred and eighty-three hours oh. playing Battlefront. But and, and here's my thing. How many of those hours were spent for uh, because of enjoyment and how many were spent because of you know obligation? I think it's a little bit of both, but I, I tended to live stream a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of it came from. I was getting so much enjoyment out of just the interaction with the um, the audience that it gave it something different, which I guess is sort of the equivalent of, you know, back in the day, you know, sitting on the couch next to somebody playing a game versus just playing it, you know, on your own. You can sort of get over the lack of a, a compelling story and things like that if you've got people that are also interested and and the banter becomes about it. It's kind of like going to see a bad movie. It can still be enjoyable <laughs> if you get someone right. to make fun of it with. Right. You know, right. as I as I'm hearing, I'm going to be able to do for Resident Evil the final chapter. But that's, that's and the Wonder Woman movie's coming out soon. Thing. But I digress. Now the biggest news, of course, in recent memory, is all those miniatures. Holy crap! Yeah, there's a lot. I guess I could say holy Criff and holy Stang or something <laughs> like that because uh, Jason Fry did add those into the. Uh, uh, the Servants of the Empire series, so they are canon again now. Um, let's start with Imperial Assault. Big okay. Stuff. Uh, the stuff that uh, you've admitted that you, you forgot about. <laughs> I just completely forgot. Uh, I completely forgot about them all together. Um, so we had an, basically a new skirmish map, I guess is one thing, a very small thing to just get out of the way. Um, they've been doing those pre-made rubber skirmish maps, and they mm-hmm. did one for ISB headquarters. So basically now you can play with that skirmish map and its missions uh, without needing to have uh, the original items. That's the missions uh, Reconnaissance and To Your Stations, which originally would have required you to have Agent Blaze uh, in order to have the skirmish map and skirmish mission cards, but would also have required you to have not just the core set, but Bespin Gambit to have the tiles you needed to make that map. So that's an instance in which, because of the specifics of how you'd have been able to have that map in the first place, is probably one of the more valuable of the maps to get as a playmat because if you haven't bought Bespin Gambit or Blaze, you need both, then that gives you that option, as opposed to something, you know, where it was mostly reflective of tiles from the core game or something like that. You know, there's right. there's more money saved by doing it this way. I thought that was a you know, pretty decent decision. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh-huh. Moving yep, on. Yep. Yep. I'm like I said uh, beforehand. You know, I'm I'm pro the skirmish maps. Like I said, it's more for the skirmish players than um, say the uh, what's it, the what campaign. You know, so mm-hmm. um, but that's cool. I just you know I, I don't know what else to say on it. Yeah, there's not really much to say on this. Right. The master's like, oh look, it's a map. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> um, though, speaking of skirmish, uh-huh. I'm trying to add these transitions in here, right? Speaking of skirmish, the big news, of course, was Jabba's Realm has been released, the newest giant box set expansion for Imperial right. Assault. Um, this one, I almost feel like, is like an, an advanced campaign because right. you look at a lot of the, the 
pages that lay out the maps and the conditions and the different if this happens, then this other thing as a reaction happens type of breakdowns for each of the different side missions and campaign missions. And it really seems as though they're a lot more complex, which I thought was really cool. Um, knowing how far along we are with so many different sets, they made it so that the different missions that usually would have a time marker telling you when you could possibly do that mission if you're playing a campaign and linking different box sets together. Um, there, there is no time marker, so you can just put it anywhere, which is also cool. Uh, and aside from giving us another nice new campaign, this set also gave us new skirmish rules for four-player. Um, so I guess just to kind of give you a sense here, um, the four-player, you can do a free-for-all or you can do a team battle, which are kind of self-explanatory, I guess. And there's really only a handful of specific new rules for how to make that actually work. Um, and essentially, you know, it's sort of a, again, it can be a team effort or it can be, you know, everyone for themselves. And the maps themselves for this, um, we have, let's see, the Pit of Carcoon and Now Hutta Borderlands are the two maps that are included in Jabba's Realm with the missions uh, Enemy of My Enemy and Border Dispute for Borderlands and then Desert Dangers in Battle for the Kitana, uh, not the sword, the sail barge, <laughs> right. uh, for Pit of Carcoon. And then our scenario, then, for the campaign, goes like it is. It says, Peril! As the Galactic Civil War rages on, the Tyrannical Empire employs a despicable new tactic, targeting families and other non-combatants. Didn't we just hear something like that in the news? Okay, no. Um, <laughs> brave soldiers of the Rebel Alliance seek shelter for these innocent civilians, guiding a convoy to safety on a hidden rebel world. Following a devastating ambush and a fierce battle, many rebel ships are destroyed. The survivors flee to the remote desert planet of Tatooine, hoping to find better odds of survival with the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt than they will find in the hands of the Empire. But as the damaged rebel ships crash land in the burning desert, they detect an Imperial garrison already dispatching stormtroopers. And this gives you um, the interesting aspect here that your heroes, your rebel characters, if you're playing the campaign, are actually mercenary by their affiliation on the card which is an interesting first here but they are still considered rebels for the purposes of uh, the campaign storytelling uh, we can get into what miniatures are included but uh, what do you think just kind of broadly here i mean is this is it good bad are you are you're a skirmish guide is the the Four player thing intrigue you, or is that just too much happening on one map at once? I think I think it's intriguing, but it is going to be a bloodbath. A bloodbath in a good way. <laughs> well, <laughs> like like a fun bloodbath. We'll like, we'll like see. A, like a I mean, Tarantino movie or a bad bloodbath, like I don't know, a badly written episode of Game of Thrones, because there are some of those. Um, yeah, I mean. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where um, I, I think you know a, a wrong move or not setting up right can completely cause you to get wiped um, just due to the fact that you now have three players to worry about instead of just the one. Um, but at the same time, that could be kind of fun if it just seems to be just everybody tearing into everyone. Um, it's uh, I think I think as a whole, it's definitely going to be a lot harder. I'm interested to try it out, and uh, when I do, I'll, I'll let you know what my thoughts on it are. I, I think it's definitely awesome that they have uh, worked on the system to try to to give that option, you know, so that more people can actually play. 
yeah, I was pretty stoked at the idea of it, but I don't know when I personally will ever have a chance to actually do it. Being around one other player of Imperial Assault sometimes is very difficult. <laughs> um, so, but that's me not going to the game shops way up there by you. Um, so as far as other miniatures go, uh, obviously they're going to do that same type of thing this time that they did with the other sets, which some people find redundant. I find just consumer friendly right? where it's okay. Here's some characters that don't get miniatures. They get deployment cards and a token. And if you want a miniature, you can buy the ally or villain pack, get the same deployment card. Usually sometimes it's, there's some extra ones, um, get yourself that mini, but then also along with it, get like other skirmish missions and other upgrades and things like that, uh, which is kind of the norm for them. So it included with a token, uh, Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight. So a new version of Luke. Right. Um, if you bought the pack, uh, the ally pack, you would get the map, the Dune Sea uh, for skirmish and the missions power surge and supply raid. So we have Luke as a force user leader brawler. And I thought of him as a brawler, but okay. He was a bit um, of a brawler on that cell barge. Yeah, I no. Um, but it's, <laughs> Dude, uh, he was swinging. <laughs> it was like a he, baseball yeah, he bat. Swinging, but he was, yeah, that, that's true. He was swinging more like a baseball bat than swinging with any finesse. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you got Luke who's added into the mix, or a new version of Luke that's added into the mix. Uh, in the set itself you've got alliance ranger which will deploy three alliance rangers if you use it and then if you buy the ally pack you've got three minis um to go along with that but you have uh, or excuse me i guess it was uh yeah it's three um but then you've also got um an elite version as well so if you want to play with a more powerful version then you can break that out uh, also comes with the now Hutta Swamps skirmish map. Then you've got uh, inside the big set with miniatures, you've got the jet troopers, which is kind of cool. It's basically stormtroopers who have jet packs and they use the same kind of pegs or at least the plastic peg part of the, the um, cylinder from X-Wing in order to basically have them not be on the ground because they're supposed to be floating. So it's a mini yeah. that's suspended on a stand. Uh, you get two regular deployment cards and one elite deployment card for them. It's uh, a two uh, per card uh, for the for either version of that. Then you've got, I like this guy, um, Captain Tarot. Now, Captain Tarot is one of your Imperial guys. And in the box set, you just get the Captain Tarot deployment card, which is elite on its face, and it's this uh, this token that's kind of oversized. But then if you pick up the villain pack, you get the mini that has him, and it's basically this Stormtrooper leader dude who's riding a dewback, which is kind of a weird proposition, but it looks kind of neat, right? right. And it's oversized. But then what they did to give you sort of an extra added value to it, you can pop basically Tarot off at his waist – and stick another top of a body on top of it that's just a regular Stormtrooper and have the Dewback Rider, who is a different character, who has a different deployment card that costs a little bit less. So a lot like Weiss in the ATST. Exactly. Exactly yeah, like Weiss in the really ATST. That's really cool. Uh, and then you got your skirmish missions indoor for the uh, indoor defense station. You got renovation and claim the ruins uh, if you buy the pack. Uh, we have inside the set the Gamorian Guard. You get uh, two regular deployment cards and one elite for uh, the Gamorrean Guard, uh, two per card. 
We've got uh, new companions, including the indentured jester, which is like a Kowakian lizard monkey, uh, done as a skirmish upgrade. We've got Weakway Pirates in the box. Um, I, I so, do like Weakway pi- Pirates. Yeah, you got to get some... Uh, <laughs> this is no longer profitable! Right? <laughs> um, like that creepy Facebook picture you've got that just creeps me out every time. The, your Hondo mask. Oh, right, right. Um, but you got uh, Weakway Pirate again. Two regular, one elite. Uh, two per card. Um, you have the enormous... Rancor that yeah. it's miniature for a Rancor. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's freaking enormous and it's in multiple different pieces to to assemble together. Um, that's the only one outside of Jabba within the course or the, the expansion set here that actually has a different deployment card for skirmish or campaign. Uh, the other ones are uh, even Luke is the same regardless of campaign or skirmish, which is unusual lately for those types of characters. And then for Jabba the Hutt, you've got a token, and you've got his skirmish and uh, campaign deployment cards, or you could pick up his villain pack, uh, get duplicates of those cards, plus also get the skirmish upgrade black market, and get the skirmish missions uh, for Jabba's palace as the, the map, new ownership and spoils of crime. So a pretty hefty wave. I have to say, most of the time when we get one of these, while I'm I'm like, oh, well, it kind of stinks that the you know the named characters everybody wants are going to be the tokens, and if you want the mini, you're going to go buy the pack. But at least it's consumer friendly, and that you don't have to buy the pack. Um, but usually I look at the characters that are included, and I'm like, yeah, those are pretty cool. This time it felt like it just was not as cool of a selection of individual ones, although the Rancor and the uh, the uh, uh, Jet Troopers are pretty cool. Uh, we did also, I almost forgot, we got three new heroes, uh, again, all of which are considered mercenary, but they play as rebels. Uh, Onar Koma, who is an Aqualish. Vento Hrida, who is a scar-faced uh, Rodian. And then uh, Shaila Varad, who is a Mandalorian. Um, so, I mean, I'm really impressed with this. I just kind of wish it wasn't just like Weequay, Gamorrean, Jet Trooper. It just, it seemed like the minis this time that were actually in the box were a little less interesting, but it may just be because I tend to think Rebel Imperial, a lot of the, the gangster side and the mercenary side don't attract me as much. Yeah, possibly. Cause I, I like those and I, this set, like I said, I was, I was kind of like, I can't believe that I forgot about this. Cause everything in the set is awesome. I guess it's just been, um, how long, how far are we behind on it? When did these actually drop? Uh, it's been maybe a month or so, give or take. Okay. Um, I'd have to look if you, if, for those who actually want to know the exact date, if you just pull up my, uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio. You may not even need the user in there. Um, but I did the video on it, I want to say, within a day or two of when it actually arrived in the mail. Okay. So whatever that week is. But right. it can't have been more than about a month, okay. give or take. So I just, um, I know it seems like we talked about it when they announced this stuff. You know, we talked about it almost immediately. And I was super excited about it. Um, I guess just with the, the Christmas rush and everything, that's when it was dropping and it, uh, there was a bit of time in between those two things. And then also just when I was busy and I just completely fro- forgot. So, um, but I, like I said, as, as a whole, I think it's, they're really cool. I like it. pretty much everything. 
uh, that we're getting. I was even considering, I'm like, am I going to end up having to buy two of these, uh, these expansion boxes so I can get multiples of the, the Gamorreans or multiples of the, the troopers and stuff. Cause I'm, that might be a thing that I do. You know, I just, I, yeah, cause they, cause they don't have separate releases of those or the rancor. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I don't know how many rancor you need, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, Hey, I played the force unleashed. Yeah. Apparently it's a lot. Right. Well, I mean, they're actually not very expensive. If I remember, they only cost like somewhere between 10 and 12 points. Maybe. Oh, let me see. I've got it sitting in front of me. A Rancor is going to run you um, 10. Yeah, so you could theoretically run four, I think. That'd be a pretty hefty... I think <laughs> a, he- a 15 health speed of four. Yeah. Which isn't horrible. Um, not too bad. Non-sentient, it cannot interact. You can't open doors with the Rancor. Right. Um, it's got the brutality ability. It's massive, has reach um cleave uh and then um, there's other aspects that shift depending on a uh, skirmish or campaign right. so yeah be nice to see those see those in some combat maybe pit them and get some nexu and see what happens um the next battle of the beast the nexu might actually win nexus are pretty pretty ridiculous in this game you know pretty ridiculous <laughs> in their ability to slash Padme and turn a, a regular shirt into a, a magic midger, but that's that's beside the point. Right, right. Um, other big news, um, less of a fan base than the third that we'll look at, but Armada got some pretty cool stuff recently. It got some new ships, but it also got its first campaign expansion. So let's talk ships first, I suppose. Um, we have... Two new sets of squadrons. They had those uh, the Rebel Fighter Squadrons and the Imperial Fighter Squadrons, and now they've released the same title with a two behind it for both of them. Right. The Imperials, uh, what they did for each of these was they sort of divided it down the middle between regular squadrons and irregulars. Regulars are those ones that have like the prongs with the three different ships on it, and then an irregular is more like just one on a peg that looks similar to like a, a miniaturized, you know, x-wing ship or something like that so the imperial starfighter squadrons that we just received uh, as a pack we have tie phantoms with uh, the tie phantom squadron and whisper as the named pilot tie defender which was the same which was a pilot that uh, was created and put back in x-wing so oh very nice yeah. um let's see tie defender squadron with a uh, merrick steel from the tie fighter video game mm-hmm he, he was one of the Emperor's hands. <laughs> um, was he the right or left see, The VT-49 Decimator with Morna Key. Uh, and in that case, instead of saying something, something squadron, it just says VT-49 Decimator if you're using the generic one. Then we have the Lambda Class Shuttle generic card. And then also Colonel Jendon, who did also appear uh, in X-Wing. So TIE Phantoms, TIE Defenders, uh, Decimators, and Lambda Class Shuttles. Although seeing the Lambdas in there... Initially had me going, wait, what? That's you know, co- Starfighter combat, and you're thinking Lambda shuttles in Starfighter combat, but you say um, that though, but the Lambda shuttle gets a lot of play in X-wing. It it has through multiple variations. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones that you don't think necessarily fits thematically, and then it does. We're, we're gonna actually see one of those with X-wing here too. Uh, for Rebels, you have some new squadrons again. Uh, we have 
And in each case, there's a generic version and then the one named pilot. I'll just name the named pilot because the generic version is just whatever it is, squadron or whatever the name of the ship is. Uh, we have the Z-95 Headhunter with a named pilot leading a squadron, Lieutenant Blount. We have the E-Wing Squadron with Corin Horn, right, from Legends. We have the Lancer-class Pursuit Craft. That's like the Shadowcaster uh, from Rebels with Ketsu Onyo, which makes sense, of course, her piloting it in the show. And then the VCX-100 freighter and named pilot Hera Syndulla. Uh, and in the case of Ketsu and Hera, the actual name of the ship changes to Shadowcaster or Ghost instead of the uh, uh, the name of the individual ship type. Right. Uh, as far as the way the cards are laid out. So we've got some more squadrons, and we've actually got some more inside that campaign set also, just not with new minis. We basically got... Uh, new pilots we could use with older minis if we've already got them that's from like really the core cool. set or for, for especially elsewhere. for you know the the campaign adding more to you know how you can play the game um really making that more dynamic but then also refreshing old stuff like here you go here's just you know updates for this that you can mm -hmm. use so i i think that's awesome yeah, anything that can take something that you may already own and make it give it more value but at the same time also not make it a requirement that you go out and buy something else to use what you've got. I think that's a nice setup. Yeah. I, mean, I love the Fantasy Flight Games consumer-friendly models, with the exception of, you know, Destin. <laughs> that's a different thing. I'm right um, there with you, let's buddy. See. So then the Empire got a standard-sized new ship, which is the Imperial Light Cruiser, uh, the Arquitans class, which can either be deployed as an Arquitans class light cruiser or a command cruiser. Um, so we have another new ship. This is one that appeared in Clone Wars, appeared in Rebels. And then the Rebels themselves got kind of the, what I think is kind of the coolest of these, which is Phoenix Home, which if you've watched Rebels, it's the thing that looks like a weird, modified, not quite Corellian Corvette that was at least temporarily the home base of Phoenix Squadron under Jun Sato and then eventually uh, now with, with Hera uh, helping yeah. to lead them. To me, it it's just looks like the... It just looks so like I, they sort of um, took a Corellian Corvette and just sort of welded um, some sides on it, almost like a... Like a puffer fish or a puffer pig. Oh, well, God. No, no. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say almost like a, uh, um, what do you call them, um, houseboat or something. Houseboat. <laughs> I'm like, let's, yeah, just, let's just add, add these extra little things on here. Here you go. A sunsetter awning. Um, <laughs> but uh, apparently this is a modified Pelta class vessel and you have the options again of an assault ship or command ship uh deployment type for that one uh, that's actually the only one of these that comes in a box instead of just a standard plastic you know hanging on the rack type of container because uh, or like with a bubble and everything uh, just because of its size it's not super large but it is larger than the light cruiser so it does wind up needing a little more space when you pick those up uh, the bigger thing though for armada is that the campaign. And this was a kind of a ballsy move. We talked about this when they announced it. Not a single miniature in the box. But it's a box with basically this giant map um, and new tokens, new cards, and a really interesting new set of rules. Where It's called the Corellian Conflict. And the idea is that um, you're setting up base locations early on, creating teams, and you're, you can play... Basically, uh, two on two, 
four on four, six on six. But if you're playing as two on two, then each of your two players needs to control two different uh, fleets rather than just controlling the one that they normally would. And it's set up so that basically you meet in the strategy phase and decide who's attacking who and where. And then you can then break up as your group and just have the two players who are involved in a particular battle play that battle whenever. And then you just need to come back after the fact uh, as you're doing your ma- after wrapping up your management phase and going into your strategy phase again to just prepare the next step of the campaign. You don't actually have to be sitting there playing everything in a group of you know four, six, or however many players, which is uh, which is kind of nice. And it's set up so that uh, like a ship doesn't just get knocked out the first time it's destroyed and then it's just gone. Instead, it becomes scarred, and then the next time it's destroyed. And if it's scarred, it has a penalty to it, like a scarred ship uh, when it's deployed has to choose to discard one of its defense tokens. A scarred squadron when it's deployed suffers one damage. Um, but then if you're destroyed while you're scarred, you're just gone. Um, and on the flip side of that, there's veterans. If you've got a ship that basically takes out one of the enemy, it can become a veteran if it survives to the next battle. And then they get a veteran token that they can spend twice to get an advantage, like a, a, a ship... When it reveals one of these, uh, when it reveals a command, can spend its veterans token to gain one command token of its choice, a unique squadron. Uh, so someone like a Koran Horn, while attacking, can spend its veteran token to reroll any number of dice in its attack pool. Um, and then between segments, depending on uh, or between uh, uh, turns, basically in the campaign, uh, as you move into your management phase you can earn various tokens depending on what resources were available on what place you won a battle you have the ability to essentially leave a battle if need be and you're working towards getting a certain amount of campaign points and when you get to the point where you're within i believe it's four points of the total that would win the entire campaign you can instead do an all-out offensive and it's just we're not doing these turns anymore (laughs) it's on now and the winner of that massive battle uh, becomes the winner of the game. It's it's a lot more complex than I expected, to be honest. Um, I think it's because I I'm used to seeing just the regular missions for X-wing, you know, that aren't super complex. Right. Um, but this is really well thought out. It's being derided because there's no miniatures in it. Just see, oh, it's just a cash grab. No, this is a fundamentally different way of playing Armada. I'm stoked to actually try it, um, but it, but it is you know a difficult proposition because it's got new cards, new tokens, and all these new rules. But without any new ships in it, there are people saying oh, it shouldn't cost much of anything. It's like well, it does cost for manufacturing, and there is supply and demand yeah. to be taken into account here. So um, I think it's pretty cool. I actually am looking forward to them hopefully doing more of those, um, though hopefully not at the expense of new waves of ships like. Um, They're kind of slow at putting out new waves of Armada ships anyway. (laughs) Right, right. Let's not slow that down to put out more campaign ones. But, you know, put out a campaign thing maybe in the middle of of waves when you're in a dry spell just to give us new ways to use the stuff we've already got. Right. Yeah, I I agree completely. And, I mean, because essentially it's – they're looking at ways of trying to to make the game more accessible and, um, you know – put out what we as players want to do anything that may cause someone to go, "Eh, I don't really know or whatever to try to bridge those gaps. So 
I think it's great. Yes, you you certainly if you're wanting it for some of the elements of it, other than just you know the actual campaign itself. If you're wanting some of these cards or whatever, uh, make sure that you have the ships that uh, you're you're going to need in order to do that. But otherwise, you know, it's a thing of hey, you don't have to buy it if if it, these things don't appeal to you. But if they do, it's a nice little additional thing, which I think Fantasy Flight does great. I I don't get anyone complaining about it. That sounds really childish to me. Yeah, kind of makes me wonder, thinking about this, like, we've talked before about Armada not getting as much support as X-Wing does. Right. Uh, from the, Mainly from the community, not even so much from Fantasy Flight, but just from the community, and that sort of drives what Fantasy Flight does with their next product lines. And it just sort of seems like this was an attempt to change things up, add value, breathe new life into the game. But I'm wondering if this is too little too late. I'm wondering if X-Wing had so much of a lead on it that Armada is always going to feel like the neglected child in the room amongst the three miniatures games for Fantasy Flight. I don't feel like – I mean this fundamentally changes the way you play the game, and I think if people give it a try, they're really going to like it. But it's not tournament-focused, right? So there's that, uh, as opposed to just the regular battles that you would get into. But also, it comes so far into the life cycle of Armada that if someone was going to jump ship from X-Wing to Armada and sort of cut one investment short to invest in something new, I feel like that would have happened by now uh, quite a while ago. Do you think this has the potential of breathing new life into it or, or maybe making up some of the lost ground that Armada went through? Well, uh, so here's the thing. This is completely, um, I can't think of the exact word. Uh, was it were, um, something? Alternative facts? Fake news? <laughs> Those have been such buzzwords. Alternative facts <laughs> has been such a, uh, a buzzword lately. It's like, just call it lies or, you know, BS. Like, let's not beat around the bush. Alternative fact. Just call him a liar. Um, but anyhow, um, no, it's, uh, what do you call it when you're like, oh, look, this is, this proves this. It's like, well, hold on. That's only in your experience. Uh, I can't think of what it's called. It's not confirmation bias, is it? No, but it's more like. Confirmation bias is a different thing. It's uh, like something data, um, but where it's more, it goes more by your own experiences rather than actual like hard Kind of anecdotal as opposed to yeah there we go uh more like driven. anecdotal data so there we go glad that we uh we call this segment uh michael learns words but uh yeah so this this may be a little more anecdotal but i think at least around here the player base does seem to be getting uh bigger there seems to be more people showing up to events from from what i've been seeing um Maybe I'm wrong on that. I'll have to double check uh, with a guy, and uh, he he's one who usually kind of keeps an eye on that and runs some of the tournaments and stuff. I think. But uh, point being, I'll, I'll double check with that. Let you know next time. But from what I've been seeing, I think it has been uh, getting more popular, which is great. Outstanding. I mean, it's a cool game. I really like it. It's it's really good at, at basically giving you a different feel than X-Wing because it should. You know, these are capital ships for the most parts and just sort of the, the swarms of squadrons around it. But I don't know. It just it, it just doesn't feel like it's getting that type of, of energy. Like I can post, hey, X-Wing stuff was just released. People are like, oh, that's so cool. I got to go get it. And I post, new Armada stuff was released. It's like, 
space crickets, space crickets. <laughs> you right. know, just, nobody's nobody's really responding. Um, speaking of X-wing, though, right? It's taken us so long to cover it <laughs> that by splitting up wave, I guess it's ten of X-wing into two a while back and three just this week as we're recording this. It actually arrived in my mailbox today. Um, yeah. We might as well cover it all at once because we got the whole wave still to go back and look at. Um, we have one that's that I've got a bone to pick with to start with. So uh, there are two that tie into Rogue One. Yes. And the Imperial one is the TIE Striker, which right. didn't play nearly as big a role as I expected in Rogue One as much as they hyped it up. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Uh, very cool looking ship. It's got the movable wings that can shift up or shift downward, which is pretty sweet. Um, and you've got a fair number of ship cards for your options to play with. You've got six of them. You've got Scarif Defender, Black Squadron Scout, Imperial Trainee, and then three named pilots who, you know, were like, uh, who are these people? Uh, Pure Sabak, Duchess, and Countdown. Hold on, hold so, on. I'll, uh, you know, whatever. So I, um, I've been so behind on stuff. I haven't even opened these yet, so I just... I was telling you beforehand, I'm like, well, I'll just go ahead and open them now. Open them as <laughs> like we go. Yeah, it's waited go. this long. Uh, but I, I'm almost certain I know what you're... Uh, th- this is the ship you said you had a bone to pick with, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. I'm I'm almost certain I know what that is, and okay. I agree. Oh, wow. Hold on, I, uh... Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> I hear him opening it, and I'm there thinking, how is he doing this without like an industrial saw the way that they make these packages? I just take and cut along the edges. Yeah, that's what I do. I just this grab is... In fact, my scissors, were, as we're recording this, I'm, we're seeing each other on the uh, Skype camera. I swear that's the same pair of scissors that I have. Probably. Unless he stole it the last time he came over. Yeah, I, saw, I was um, like, oh, those look like good scissors, so I just uh, grabbed them. Man. <laughs> Love the black handle and the little red dot that holds it together. Um, yeah, so... I, I love the fact that we've got another variant. I think the TIE Striker looks really, really cool. Um, I kind of wish that they actually had that shot still in the film where Jin is walking on the little uh, gangway or whatever and is walking towards the TIE fighter that came up. Uh, though, I think that was a regular TIE. You know, to do that with a Striker, ooh, that'd be so cool. But all of the canonical materials that have been released for the TIE Striker, um, the visual guide and elsewhere point out that the TIE Striker is not actually a starfighter, per se. The TIE Striker is basically a glorified airspeeder. It's basically like the T-47, like the snow speeders that we see at the Battle of Hoth. It can get up kind of into the to the the, the atmosphere a bit, uh, or getting towards space, you know, where, where it's starting to thin out, but you're not going to see it fighting in space. That's not what it's designed for, and it won't work. And I'm wondering if Fantasy Flight knew that? Because here we have a game based around starfighter combat, and unless you're assuming the starfighter combat conceptually is all taking place in atmosphere, which wouldn't make sense with the obstacles that you play, um, it seems as though they've basically just done the equivalent of taking like a snow speeder and throwing it into X-Wing, which logically, canonically, conceptually doesn't make sense no matter how cool it looks. And I'll admit it looks cool. I look forward to playing with it. But I'm still sitting here going, wait, what? <laughs> well, I could, so I could see it like it, you just saying, okay, for this one with the the striker, we're just gonna say this is taking place in atmosphere. Um, the asteroids are just really big mountains. Like to me, I could I could swing that. Um, I don't know how you would justify debris though. 
Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have like a pocket of gas or something left behind by an exploded ship or something. It couldn't be, you know, debris because, you know, gravity. Right, exactly. All that. Um, but I don't know. I find it, I find it, I mean, it's a cool looking ship. Like I said, it's just kind of one of those ones that had me going, wait, where where did this thing come from? Where exactly does it um, uh, play, excuse me, play into everything else? Released around the same time, though. And, and there are some pretty decent. I mean, we can look at some of the specific pilots if you want, as you're flipping through stuff here. Yeah, only I mean, the uh, since I have it uh, as as we're used to, only the named pilots actually have special abilities. The rest right. of them just have the, the flavor text. Um, but around the same time, we had a ship that was released as a big ship in one of the boxes, very much like what you get, like the Millennium Falcon in. Um, that I remember when the game, when when the movie was announced and they first showed us the U-wing, I remember looking at it going. Why is that considered so big? Why is it considered a transport? It looks like a starfighter. And it's, you know, it's kind of like that middle size between a freighter and an actual starfighter. And that was the U-Wing, uh, which I actually really thought was a cool ship out of Rogue One. It's that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a low production type thing. And the, the Rebels only had a few of them because Bail Organa arranged for a shipment to be supposedly lost and wind up in the Rebellion's hands and that sort of thing. Hence why it's not in A New Hope, etc., etc., um, but they give us a mini, and like with the Lambda class shuttle, its wings that move within the film do actually shift. They're relatively thin, so you got to be careful with them. But you can take it from the front-facing type and shift it backwards into more like a V shape, uh, all the way back, like we see within the film, which is pretty cool. Uh, not quite as many pilot options this time. This time we've got four uh, of wildly varying uh, pilot skills. We have Blue Squadron Pathfinder, which is the only generic one this time. And then we have Heftober, Cassian Andor, and Bodhi Rook as our pilots, which makes sense because we see Cassian piloting, we see Bodhi piloting. Hef, I'm assuming that's one of the background characters whose names <laughs> I've forgotten that was in the visual guide. Um, but it's interesting because it, it looks like a starfighter to some extent, and yet... It plays like a, a larger vessel. I got a feeling that there's a going to be kind of a cool psychological factor when playing with a U-wing, at least for a while, where people are just not quite sure what to make of it because if it, it kind of plays like one thing but is the other as far as size goes. Well, I don't. It's, um, I to me, it's kind of like being, the. Um, I think of it a lot like the uh, the Hawk 290. I'm opening it up right now. By the way, that's what you're hearing. To an extent, yeah. To an extent, I can see that. It's one of these ones, um, and you get, you get some cool abilities, like uh, Cassian Andor at the start of the activation phase. You may remove one stress token from one other friendly ship at range one to two. So kind of Cassian being there, getting everybody, you know, you're, you know, squadrons are built on hope. And everybody's <laughs> like, okay, ch we're chilling. We don't need the stress anymore. Um, right. Or after an enemy ship executes a maneuver that causes it to overlap your ship, you may perform a free action, which is pretty straightforward for Heftober and so on. Um but, you know, we kind of expected a U-Wing. I, was, I wasn't expecting the size treatment of it, um, but it makes sense once you know, we saw the film. We then have three others that were released a little bit later. Uh, one of them is freaking gigantic, in my opinion. Um, it's got a body that's about the size of the body of the Lambda-class shuttle, but the wings fold out crazy, crazy long. We're talking like... You could probably take a DVD case height-wise and lay it beside these wings, and it's about that 
length. It's, it's crazy, crazy wing length. It's going to be dominating the battlefield and just in terms of, of size and visual here. Uh, but that is the Upsilon-class shuttle, also known as Kylo Ren's shuttle from The Force Awakens. So another ship that's technically First Order as opposed to regular Imperial. And again, we have four deployment cards. Here. He's saying deployment cards because of, of Imperial Assault. Four <laughs> ship cards. Um, four pilots. We have the Starkiller base pilot. Incredibly generic. Doesn't even have a squadron name. Poor guy. Uh, Lieutenant Dormitz. Major Striden. And then, of course, as expected, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren, I, I do like the way that these work. And you may be able to show this. Or actually, no, you haven't got the this one yet. No, I haven't, I haven't got the Okay, I, yet. Uh, I don't have it sitting in front of me. Uh, I, I've got it on the table behind me. I may have to dig it out here. Um, there's condition cards that have been recently introduced into. Right, yeah. Extreme. Yeah, we talked about it when they uh, first revealed these. Right. Yeah, very interesting and, new mechanic. So we have uh, the first time you're hit by an attack each round, assign the I'll show you the dark side condition card to the attacker so kylo ren's ability isn't sort of an ability by itself it initiates the use of this new mechanic that's within the game this new uh, uh condition and actually all three of these uh that were just recently released uh just this last week or so all three of them have some type of condition that can be applied uh, while playing the game so it just adds another thing to track but another wrinkle into it it's not damage it's an ongoing effect that has an effect until you're able to somehow shake off uh, whatever it is. Almost um, like, a, like a stress. Example. What now? Oh, like a stress. Yeah, kind of like a stress token or something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, it seems as though there's a little bit more elaborate ways you have to get rid of it as opposed to just choosing, ah, I'll just you know, do this maneuver and get rid of it. Right, right. But I'm saying it's a, it's a thing where it's not damage, but you have to uh, perform an action essentially or whatever. Um, but yeah, okay, I'll shut up. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious how those will actually work in play. Haven't tried them yet. Like I said, these have arrived in the mail today. Mm -hmm. uh, then we have Sabine's TIE, which is, it's a TIE fighter, right? So the maneuvers of a TIE fighter, but this is a Rebel TIE fighter. Yes. So the Rebels actually now have access to that type of ship here. And uh, we have, again, uh, four pilots, only this time it's interesting, there isn't a single generic pilot among them. Which is... And they range from pilot skill of three to pilot skill of seven. Yeah. Um, we have Zevarelios, Captain Rex, Sabine Wren, of course, and Ahsoka Tano uh, as the pilots. And in this case, it's a Captain Rex that if he performs an attack, he can assign a suppressive fire condition card to the defender. So again, another of those conditions coming into play. Um, this one does come with some of those uh, reference cards, and I would note that they are all the regular backing with the older art of, you know, the trench run. I say that because the third of these comes with reference cards, and because it's from the, the Force Awakens era, the reference cards have changed their backs, their back artwork, which was not expected. <laughs> that one is the one that I was kind of least intrigued by, but holy oh, crap, does it have um, a lot of tractor beam tokens, I'm, so this is going to get ugly, I got a feeling. Um, and that is the quad jumper. This which is an interesting like ship. A, a very versatile mm -hmm. ship. These are the reference cards they have to give you to make sure that you can use quad jumper effectively. Using bombs. Bomb tokens reference card number seven. Modifications and titles. Condition cards. Reverse maneuver. Segnor's loop. 
tractor beam token. Yeah. All for this one little teeny tiny ship that just doesn't look like it would be much. And yeah, but it, I mean, it's a it to me it looks very utilitarian, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of utility with the ship. So, and you got four pilots again, one of whom is generic. We've got uh, the Jakku gun runner is the generic, and then you have Unkar Plut. So he must be doing this before the deleted scene where he got his arm yanked off. <laughs> um. And then we have uh, Sarko Plank, who, mm-hmm. of course, shows up very briefly in The Force Awakens and winds up playing a role in uh, Weapon of a Jedi right. uh, by Jason Fry. And then we have Constable Zubio, who plays more of a role in Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, Aliens, than he actually did in the movie where Blink and You'll Miss Him, even though they promoted the heck out of the character. Yeah. Uh, and this one is uh, a scum and villainy faction ship. So mm-hmm. amongst these, we have one... Uh, Galactic Empire era Imperial. We have two Galactic Empire era Rebels. We have one First Order era ship, or Force Awakens era First Order ship. Uh, And then we have one Scum and Villainy. So the Rebels get two. uh, The Imperials, so to speak, get two, even though they're of two different eras. And then Scum and Villainy gets one. They got short change this time. even though we did have five ships total, usually it's, uh, you know, somebody's going to wind up getting shortchanged unless they do an even six or something like that. And sure enough, scum and villainy? Uh, no, but the one you got is apparently crazy useful with all these different things that it can do, even if it doesn't look like much. But right. it's got it where it counts, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, um, several things uh, or little comments that I was wanting to make on each of these. Going back to the U Wing, though. Um, if you notice, looking at uh, both the pilot cards and looking at the the crew cards, there is not a uh, K2SO who we saw piloting uh, the U-Wing. I just it, to, no, And I find that weird whenever it first yeah. was released, too. But yeah, no K2SO. I'm wondering if that... Well, no, because they've had IG-88. I was going to say, I wonder if it was because he's a droid, but we've had IG-88 as a pilot before. Well, the only thing I would kind of think, um, but then then going back to it, going, no, I don't guess that's the case. I know that Dave Filoni said that, um, you know, with the, the recent episode, um, I can't remember the name of it, the Warhead one or whatever, that he would have made that droid the same one as K2SO, but he didn't know what K2SO looked like at that point. So I was like, okay, well, maybe that's a thing. But all the pictures are of ships. So I, I just, to me, that's surprising that we've got this Heftober, um, which to me sounds almost like a, a promotional thing. Like, uh, what's one where they like, added Tober? It's like, the, uh, the, it's like Oktoberfest at the Playboy Mansion. It's Heftober. Yeah, something like that. Like I was trying to think of one, you know, what do they call it when they just add like a something onto like a month or whatever as a promotion? I can't think of anything I, off, I off the know. top of my head, but it's I know like, it's like izing. Everything gets an eyes on the end of it. Yeah, well, like for instance, I know there's like a this is a really weird one to think of, but like you know, Movember, you know, or like No Shave November type of thing. It just reminds me of that. I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, we'll move on. You know, there's your giant. Uh, Upsilon, but uh, I don't know. It's just it's weird, and, and I don't know why. And I'm kind of a little upset. I I, I like K2SO. Uh, I, I think they could have added. It. I mean, heck, we have Bayes Malbus. 
Dude, I mean, that guy had like no screen time, but we're going to get him. Uh, Bastan, the space monkey, who, you know, we saw for like a half a second, but no, no K2. What's up with that? Okay, too. That's discrimination because he was a former Imperial droid. Um, <laughs> well, but we got Bodhi Rook, who's a former Imperial pilot. It, it, it's it's okay. Whatever reason I give, you can just tell you that, tell me that uh, you find my answer vague and unconvincing. Um, <laughs> I did, Good I pull. Did, uh, as you were talking there, I did pull out the uh, that I'll show you the dark side. So, uh, mm-hmm. so if you're playing as Kylo Ren with the Upsilon, right. first time you're hit by an attack each round, assign the I'll show you the dark side condition card to the attacker. And the I show you, I'll show you the dark side condition card. These condition cards have an image on the back that is um, the same as the token you would put next to the ship. It says when this card is assigned, if it's not already in play, the player who assigned it searches the damage deck for one damage card with the pilot trait and may place it face up on this card, then shuffle the damage deck. When you suffer critical damage during an attack, you are instead dealt the chosen face-up damage card. When there is no damage card on this card, remove it. So you have this ongoing uh, uh, potential of being hammered uh, because you basically just screwed with the wrong Knight of Ren. Yep. Sounds and like it. Actually, that one actually comes with two. It comes with that one, and it comes with another one that's focused uh, uh, around Hux and the idea of loyalty as well. Um, <laughs> that I believe goes even off Hux of Hux is gone. Yeah, even Hux, he ran for it. No, man, he went. He went to go save Kylo, and then he had to get back because he had a date with Poe to go see the android woman or something. What? I don't get that reference. Ex Machina? No. Oh, oh, yeah, I didn't see that movie, because I was like... Yeah, um, not many, not many Well, did. I just don't want to think of those characters as anything other than, like, um, you know, I really like John Boyega, and it was like, you need to see Attack the Block, you need to. I'm like, I will in 2020. So you're, so you're like, <laughs> one of those people that would have been like, like, cannot watch Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford is Han Solo. It's well, I, I have seen it, but it is hard for me, because it's, it's hard to not think of him as Han Solo. I mean, it's. I just I have a hard time with with old Luke in the Force Awakens and seeing and him on seeing the Flash, him as like the trickster on Flash. And you're like, oh <laughs> right? my god! Well, that's what I said. I'll, I'll always look over to Christine when when we watch those, and I'm like, it's it's Luke. <laughs> or or well, or when and and that was a thing that got me for a while too, um, because it had been so long since seeing uh, Mark Hamill in something, and then. He's in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, like, yeah. Wasn't the character's name Cockknocker? And yeah. he had like a bong saber. <laughs> thing. Just, like, yeah. What? I, I, my brain can't process it. But I can do it for anybody other than Star Wars. So what does that say about me? Uh, that's that's so less think? of I mean, a, a leap than Carrie Fisher being the nun. True. In the same Very movie. Um, so what do you think? We're looking at uh, a, a decent smattering here of different cards. We've got the condition stuff being entered in. Um, they are still sort of mixing up the eras, which is cool. Um, I feel like Rogue One was a missed opportunity, if only because because it was so close to A New Hope. They couldn't introduce really a lot of new Starfighter designs. Um, so we got two, and they both wound up making their way into X-Wing, but... I mean, I kind of hope that when we get episode eight, that's where we'll see it kind of open up. But then again, we I think we all kind of thought that with uh, The Force Awakens, we'd see more new Starfighter designs and such that can make their way into it. And 
And we got a shuttle, we got the quad jumper, and otherwise, basically, just here's a new version of an X-Wing and a new version of a, a TIE fighter. It, there wasn't really a lot of new, cool-looking ships being introduced that could make their way into X-Wing for that. Or Armada, if they ever make that time jump. Right. I, I mean, for the most part, but I, I will say with Rogue One, it, I mean, even... Um the force awakens i do think there's still some stuff not much but there still are things to mine i think you could do a um the oh gosh i can't remember the the little uh, uh, attack shuttle thing or whatever that they had that finn was uh, you know who told you you could remove your helmet uh that thing you know they could potentially make that and just make it to where you can just stock up on uh crew cards you know like like it doesn't doesn't really do much, but you can just throw several uh, crew in there, and it's a it's a good support ship. Um, or the ability, maybe if a ship is being destroyed, you could have the crew evacuate on one of those and move. You have it as a card, and have them move to another ship and provide support to that ship. Yeah, I mean, possibly. Like I said, it's. I think that's a ship that once again it can be a utility ship that they can use. Um, Outside that, I'm trying to think of what other ship we saw in Force Awakens. Oh, we saw the, um, you could then turn around and do something sort of similar with uh, Leia's ship. The, um, that a little weird hot dog looking. Well, it was a B-Wing. Uh, it was like a slapped together B-Wing, uh, according to the um, uh, the guide thing or whatever. What was visual that? Visual guide thing. Yeah, visual it. guide. That's the word. Uh, but yeah, according to the, the visual guide, it, cause that's what I thought. I'm like, man, that looks like a fat B wing. And that's apparently what it is. And they're like, let's just take a B wing and we'll make it into a transport ship. So basically between that and Phoenix home, that's the new trend. It's the, uh, need a new ship, take an old one and make it fat. Yeah. Basically the rebels are like the rednecks of the, of that universe. I guess just, just, just <laughs> add them on up. We got plenty of space. Just now, stack them. <laughs> just stack them. <laughs> you stack them up and load it for bear. It's kind of like one of my favorite lines from uh, the the book, um, and especially because I had I listened to it. So it was Will Wheaton doing the audio, but it's that Ready Player One where he says that basically the the trailers because they run out of room. Like until someone said, and uh, like he basically quotes him, uh, "Why don't you just stack them some bitches up or something like that?" <laughs> so yeah, that's. Uh, apparently the the rebel way as well um but you'd mentioned also the of course the sabine's tie fighter i really like and i think it was it was very smart of them to not include a generic pilot because this shouldn't be something that you can really throw together for a swarm i, I don't want to see uh, I, I don't think that that's I, I think that the tie swarm is something unique to the imperials because each each one has its own flavor, and basically taking part of uh, the Imperial flavor and then just giving it to the, the Rebel faction, I, I think is a, a misstep. So I like that they did this, because people have been talking about doing these types of ships for a while now. They also want uglies, um, so we'll probably end up seeing uglies at some point. Wow. That was that was very, literally, right as you were saying, they have their own flavor, mm -hmm. it pops in my head. Wonder if they would do uglies, and then seconds later you're saying uglies. It's, I I think exactly. it, I think it is something you might see. I really do. Interesting, given the fact that I mean, uglies haven't really been referenced or utilized much within canon. That seems to be where they're drawing most of their inspiration from now, right. with the occasional dip back into legends stuff. But that was a huge legends thing mm -hmm. was to have the uglies. You know, combine the uh, the traits of one with the other. Um, 
don't know. That would be that'd be interesting. Uh, imagine a kit bashing kind of thing where <laughs> it's like the old. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, was it Micro Machines where they give you like the front half of a vehicle and the back half, and you could like switch them out by mixing yeah. and matching fronts with backs? Yeah. Give us like, you know, like you can buy like a, a set of here are the fronts of three different ships, and here are the backs of three different ships. Have fun, right. enjoy. Um, as long as you couldn't just like chain them into one giant, super super long centipede-looking <laughs> uh, ship, the uh, uh, the Imperial Centipede. Well, I mean, I think they could do something sort of similar with like how they're doing uh, with that new mechanic. Put something to where it'll it you know the the ship is sort of determined by how you build it up or whatever. And you know, if you're like, oh, this one's a little more X-wing, so it's going to have these traits of the X-wing, whereas this one's a little more Y-wing, so it'll have you know traits a little similar to the the Y-wing or whatever. Um, I, th- I think it's something that could be done. Obviously, it's going to need a lot of playtesting, which Fantasy Flight does. They they do a lot of playtesting before they just drop things because they're not called Wizards of the Coast. So, um, yeah, that's right. I went there. Suck it! Um, which they did come out with Destiny, so I guess they're a little later. But anyhow, well, I digress. No, 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 I'll say, no, I'll say <laughs> again, to their defense, Destiny plays really well. It's just that... The business model has jumped to a standard. Yeah, no, I know. Card game I know. Model. I know. It's it's still it's not as just, bad. I just, yeah. I'm just not. It's behind it. And I we know. should know that there has been an announcement of a new wave of that. We can use it sort of our last news item okay. here. Uh, I would be remiss though if I did not mention um, that there were actually two other play mats that were released for X Wing also. Oh yeah, a lot there of were. Fanfare. Yeah. Um, Star Killer Base mm-hmm. and the Battle of Hoth that kind of has you playing over instead of playing with Hoth. Just like the planet in one corner to make up like the visual of the playmat, it's actually the battlefield and like a starry night above it, which kind of makes sense for the Tie Striker. <laughs> yeah, I was I was about to say. So it, at least they are kind of uh, positioning in that way so that you can go, oh well, here's why. And you know the thing too, um, it may not even be a hundred percent that as much as they we may start to see the uh, snow speeders get introduced. And, and that's sort of their work in into to doing that. So, yeah, we, we might see snow speeders and we might start seeing cloud cars. No. <laughs> as long, well, okay. As long as the cloud cars are implemented better than they were in Battlefront, where I actually think they're fun to play with instead of being like, do I have to play with it for this contract anymore? I like the cloud car, but it, it was because it was different. Different in a bad way? It's like... It's like, what did you have for lunch t- yesterday? I had steak. What did you have lunch for today? Um, leaves? <laughs> <laughs> Salad? No. Well, no. I, no, just leaves. But Pine needles, different. to be specific. <laughs> you can pick your teeth with them and eat with them. And right, right. Just as fun coming out later. Oh, that's... Oh, ouch. That I didn't need that visual image. For anyone who listens to Star Wars Beyond the Films should probably just have reminded them of the sunflower seed story, which I should uh, proceed past. Was that yours uh, or Mark's story? That was my story. That was that was. Whew, oh never, my God. never seen such excruciating. Needless to say, I no longer eat sunflower seeds in bulk with uh, the shells still on them because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I was an idiot like that. Um, All right. So this new expansion for Star Wars Destiny is called Spirit of Rebellion, um, and it focuses on finally bringing in some Rogue One elements into the mix. Uh, you know, the I rebel and all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, so you've got Krennic, you've got Death Troopers, you've got Palpatine. Um, makes for a, a nice setup, although it appears that it is just a, uh, a booster pack thing this time, very much like what you would have seen back with uh, the CCG, as opposed to them saying, okay, well, here's a new set to collect. Here's two new starters in case you want to start with Jin or start with whoever. At least from what I'm seeing, it looks like it's just a booster-based thing. Um, but you'll have 160 new cards in the game. And, and you'll still have to work to yeah. track down the additional die needed in order to play that card? Yeah, or, you know, buy a bunch of individual ones. I actually got an email earlier today from Miniature Market that says that, uh, that said, uh, Star Wars Destiny singles now back in stock. Uh, <laughs> opportunity awaits or something like that. No. And I'm like, like, I don't know. I mean, don't they understand that I'm married? I don't need anything about singles. And <laughs> if they're fans of Star Wars Destiny, I'm not sure it would have worked out anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, dang, man. I know, I know a lot of people, um, especially there, there are people that listen to this that do like Destiny, and we're like... No, I mean, no, I, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I, it's fun to play. I've played with the stars. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's fun. It's just... I. You know, it's, it's that's it's kind of like, you know, it's it's like the battlefront thing. You know, you play, you enjoy, but there are enough things about it that you're like, damn it. Right. Like I said, that, you know, it becomes the running gag kind of a thing. That's all. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. It, it's just to Honestly. me, it's the like, I, I'm, I'm sure the game is a lot of fun. I've been hearing nothing but good stuff about it. It's just that the the purchase model or whatever you want to call it is not one that I I enjoy. I, it's I. I just yeah. much prefer to have it in the box. I know what I'm getting, and then I can, m you know, make adjustments that way. Oh, am I going to need six X wings? That's fine. I know I need six X wings. No yeah. one needs six and X you know, wings, but ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty mm -hmm. years ago, uh, like twenty years ago when I was playing the the original CCG, I think it was. Um, that would not have been a complaint of ours. I don't think because we. You, it's kind of that whole you don't know what you're missing until you actually have it. Like the idea at that point of a card game, even a card game with dice or anything like that, where you would know what you were getting in each pack and it wasn't a starter. Right. That was insane. Nobody would have done that. How can they sustain their business model like that? <laughs> By being honest well, with their now, customer base. <laughs> but now we've got the LCG model and we've sort of been spoiled by that. Right. So, uh, right. and it's uh, yeah it's definitely a matter of you know we're we're always going to be making that comparison now but it's because of the more consumer friendly model and for those who want some more information i i did a whole my, the eighth episode i think it is of my vlog on youtube uh, the voice of reason or lack thereof is basically a response and a breakdown of the crap storm i stopped myself the crap storm that exploded when i posted my review of destiny Gave a, gave a contents review of each pack separately and then sort of an opinion piece about the business model of it. And people went, boom, 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 how dare he? Oh, wow. So you got a lot yeah. of blowback from that? Yeah, a lot of, put it this way, enough blowback that it's the first time I've ever turned off comments on a video and instead put a link that said, and if you're interested in further intelligent discussion, rational discussion, here's a video that elaborates beyond what was in here and let's talk about it. And over there, it's been very calm. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I was it. They're being too salty. Like yeah. again, salt is good. Mm -hmm. 
It's, it's that sea salt they do on those Wendy's fries. Now, I don't know what the hell that's all about. I love sea salt, especially on dark chocolate. That is good. But once again, we're getting off topic. Yeah, we're getting uh, a little off topic. <laughs> uh, and lastly, I guess we do have uh, breaking news, as in literally um, yesterday, they have announced that there is another skirmish playmat coming for Imperial Assault, and that is Anchorhead Cantina. So we are going to have another of those being a. Uh, put out there for us here. That appears to be one, uh, just based on the design of it, I'd have to go look and see which set had that map in it before, but it's adorned with Greedo and Obi-Wan, which makes me think that it may be from one of them, because they were from that weird little like middle set where it wasn't ally and villain packs that actually tied into a bigger set, perhaps. Um, and I know we haven't really touched on the LCG really at all here, or the RPG, which is something that's sort of open for a uh, future discussion where there's still the opposition cycle is winding down for the LCG at this point. Uh, no disintegrations is the newest RPG book. I actually got noticed that that's in the mail at this point to me. Um, it doesn't seem like when I go, and this is this is you know it's maybe something for us to explore at another time. But I've told you before the way that I budget is I'll go in and every month since I kind of know approximately what, what my pay is going to be since it's salary. Um, I'm able to basically plan ahead, and I plan usually about a month ahead to how much money we're going to have left. Um, and anything that I want to pre-order, I work into that budget to make sure the money's there. So I have this running list of things, and when I do my monthly budget, one of the things I do is go to Miniature Market and just do a search, Star Wars LCG, Star Wars Imperial Assault, Star Wars X-Wing, and look for anything new that says pre-order that I haven't already got on my list of things that I've pre-ordered. And the last few months doing that, it doesn't seem like there's much in the way of RPG materials that are coming right now. The RPGs have ground not to a halt, but pretty close. Um, yeah, I've noticed really that as well. disconcerting to me. Yes. Uh, I mean, it is what it is, you know? I, it's. I, I'm wondering if they wouldn't possibly consider... Maybe taking the the com, uh, the mechanics of it or whatever, and sort of relaunching with new maybe for the some of the new material. I you know I don't know I I don't I I have no idea I, I I don't know what they're they're doing with that one. I don't have I don't have the access to you know some of the information uh, on that side of it. Uh, quite not that I have like great uh in-depth stuff where i'm just like hey guys like what's this card look like oh is he doing that you know um many michaels died <laughs> right right uh but point being if if i know anything more than general public information it's on other things definitely not um the rpg side so mm. i don't know cool. so i guess that just about wraps up the uh the news at the moment, we should be seeing more in, I would assume the next few months, we'll see more on the video game front yeah. um, as we get towards some of the bigger conventions. But right now, still kind of So apparently they just announced, and, and this is kind of interesting, I, I don't know mm -hmm. how it's going to play, but uh, Square Enix is now doing the Marvel games? I think that's who it was. Yeah, it's it's um, it's very much like Star Wars with EA, where it's basically one 
company is now going to be like the exclusive one, but then any of their subsidiaries that they work with, the developers can actually develop the game. So now like we've got Visceral and Dice and uh, Respawn all going through EA and all that. Uh, but yeah, the Marvel games uh, are hopefully going to get the same kind of, of bump. And it's kind of the... It gives you hope for Star Wars, even though it right. probably shouldn't. Because I mean, there is no real connection there, it's, but we think... Marvel Cinematic Universe is going strong. Now Star Wars is going strong on film again. Yeah, yeah, it works, but... Well, I just you know, wonder... In this case, I don't, see a, I don't see a relation between the two other than just the idea of an exclusive distributor uh, or publisher. Well, see, that's what I was wondering. Marvel. I mean, do, do we know for sure that EA... Um, I mean, because it's been a while, I can't remember exactly. Um, EA exclusively has all the gaming rights for Star Wars, or they're just the ones that are putting out things right now? I, be- I believe they have that EA is the exclusive publisher okay. for uh, PC and console. Okay. And then when you get to like mobile games, um, Disney Interactive, right, uh, or right. whatever they call themselves. Um, but yeah, it's got to be published through EA. Okay. So that that was the only reason I didn't know because I really like a lot of Square Enix work. They they put out some good games. Um, you know, I, I wish that. Uh, Star Wars could have been, you know, that they could have got the rights for Star Wars instead of oh, EA personally. Don't, but don't, don't, don't be quite so negative yet. We haven't yet seen the game by Visceral. I, I, Visceral Games has been has put out some no incredible I'm, stuff, and they've got Amy Hennig now from Uncharted. So I'm, I'm waiting for a Star Wars game that is just going to blow our socks off. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Basically, like I've said beforehand, they may not call it Underworld, but this is Star Wars Underworld. That's what this game is. I'd, Uncharted. Spy! Or or that, which is what thirteen thirteen. <laughs> right. Oh, that's an like. underworld. But yeah, yeah, thirteen thirteen. Sorry, I because of the connection. You're getting the TV show concept from back in the day well, mixed up with right. Well, like we uh, back from our um, episode on thirteen thirteen, which I suggest anyone go check out if you if yeah. you want to. It was months ago, something. but only a few episodes ago. <laughs> Shut up! I'm busy. <laughs> um, but. Uh, that that's the thing is it, with the thirteen thirteen, um, it's the same thing. It's that's what this is. This is thirteen thirteen. They may not call it thirteen thirteen, but it's thirteen thirteen. And I think they should I'm call it thirteen thirteen. A, a new strategy game, a uh, uh, Star Wars four oh seven seven, and it's like Star Wars Mash. <laughs> it's like the Med Star kind of guys. <laughs> you, you, or you're maybe a surgeon to... simulator, but you're do in VR like the regular surgeon simulator, but you're doing it on like a or something no 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 no. no. it's uh, set up as a background like your surgeon but it's really just about telling jokes there you go uh i don't know i think that um that from a from the standpoint of the board games the miniatures and and so forth um we're getting a steady trickle of news it just seems like the rpg is slowing down but since it's all through fantasy flight you tend to see more and are able to keep up with that more it feels like video game news is very sparse at the moment Right. But uh, we're, we're heading in a few months into like the big convention season and, and show season and such. So uh, I would expect to hear more and hopefully, I mean, I would think maybe we're going to be seeing a title for the Visceral Games game. Maybe we're going to wind up seeing more from Respawn. Maybe even have an announcement of what's coming after Respawn's game. Because right now I think it's just Battlefront 2, Visceral, and Respawn are the three that they've talked about. I'm... Yeah, and and hopefully at some point we'll find out. You know, hey, Battlefront Two playable entirely in VR, like Resident Evil Seven, because holy crap, you can do that. 
but that's probably a pipe dream. Was there was there anything for a new mobile game, or did I dream that? Uh, there was a new mobile game that I didn't play, so I didn't even mm-hmm. think about it. Because I, I got to be honest, I I was talking about this uh, with a buddy at work the other day. I think the mobile game market is one that hasn't really been tapped, not tapped properly. I think that a lot of the people who were putting out games for um, you know, your, your consoles, or even a lot of these independent gamers, like I, I love Steam, and there's so many people that make games for Steam that I'll look at it and I go, you know, this could be a game that you could be like spend like two ninety nine for or something like that, and um, get it on your iPhone and just play it like while you're waiting or something, you know. Um, I, to me, that's that is something that has not been uh, tapped into quite like I think that it could be. Maybe I'm missing something huge, but I, I can. I mean, for instance, Nintendo is really starting to jump into that. Um, now I know they got a lot of blowback. Have you heard about that Mario Run? I've played Mario Run. What's the blowback? Um, well, a lot of people were upset that essentially they charged ten bucks for it, and they're like, "Oh, ten dollars is too much uh, for a mobile game." But for me, ten dollars for a Mario game is a deal. You know, the fact that it is on your iPhone shouldn't be detriment, but should actually be a um, a plus, you know, that should be something to go, oh, this is fantastic. I've got this Mario game, but I didn't have to go buy, um, you know, a 3DS for. And it's a fun game. I like it. It's it's essentially, it's very similar to your uh, 2D side-scrolling Mario games of the past. But, you know, with the mechanic of something like you would see, uh, like the Endless Runner type games, mm-hmm. um for for mobile i i think that it's really cool that they sort of mesh those two together i think it works well and i I think ten dollars is not much to pay for for that personally and like i said i think other games could do the exact same thing yep and the star wars game we were um talking about there um that actually this is actually one i i keep getting it in galaxy of heroes mixed up galaxy of heroes is when i was just like i'm not interested at all Mm -hmm. um but the new one is force arena and you're essentially building up a deck of cards that send units out into battle, and it's sort of a, a, a MOBA-type game or a mini-MOBA-type game. Yeah. And uh, But it's another of these ones that – and it's it, it's going to come down to how well does it handle the, um, the cost model because one of the things that's pointed out in, in some of the reviews that I've seen is that basically if you want um, – uh, premium boosters, you're talking six bucks, ten bucks, oh my eighteen gosh. bucks, depending on the amount of time it's for, like how many weeks it's for. Uh-huh. Um, so I mean, you're you are in a microtransaction type of model again, but I, I don't know that we should like having something like a a game like a uh, you know a gear pay ten dollars and now you get the game and you just play it. Mm-hmm. That's so much not the model of of a lot of mobile games, especially for franchises anymore. Right, but, uh, but I'm saying... I don't know that it, we should even expect that with a Star Wars game. I'd love to see a Star Wars game where just buy it once. Yeah. You don't have any microtransactions, just play the thing. But I don't think that's something that... Because you can't milk that Right, but that's long. not necessarily a, a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if people see, say, hey, this is a, a quality game, this is upfront, this is how much it's going to cost me, because a lot of people will say... Um, no, I don't. I don't want to get you know sucked in and then end up 
in the end, it ended up costing me like $100 for a game that I thought was supposed to be free or so. You know what I mean? If you know how much it's going to cost you, you might, you know, if you say $10, that's totally fine. And you, you may get more people playing the game because it's upfront about it. I would think, I mean, then again, I'm not a big uh, marketing genius, so maybe there's other people who have done uh, tests and studies and stuff and, and know better than me, but I just, I would like to see that. I would be more inclined to buy games um, if they were that way. But a lot of times, I just sort of see them as almost like almost like pyramid scam type things, you know what I'm saying? Of like, okay, how much are they going to try to drill me for this time uh, in order to, to take my money? Except for um, games like, uh, now I can't even remember the name of it. What, what was the Star Wars game that we played and then it died? Uprising? Yeah, Uprising, which doesn't even like, know where, how where to take your money. Where they were like, here, get as many, cri- get, you know, get tons of crystals for just like two or three bucks in a month as long as you're logging in every day. Oh, crap, yeah. too many people are doing that. Take it away, take it away, leave only the more expensive options. Oh, we're dying. Yeah, no, no, exactly. The, and, and before that hand, it was like, well, there's no point in spending any money. So, you know. Yeah. And I think that's the thing with we can talk about these later. In fact, before our next recording, I will make it a point to pick out pick up a Force Arena and try it out. Yeah, I'll do the same. Um, but I it's it's funny because the amount of time you put into it may wind up being something that justifies a much higher price tag than you actually spent with a few microtransactions. It's just the fact that we're doing microtransactions at all. It's that that reflexive knee jerk err, kind of like right. uh, again going back to Resident Evil. Resident Evil. Um, Seven is fantastic, but they put out the first DLC, which is a completely different thing. It's three different game modes, one of which is an escape room. One's like a horde mode that has nothing to do with the main game, um, with the exception of like some ties to a side character in one of the VHS tapes and that sort of thing. But um, they put out the first DLC at a price of I think it was ten bucks, um, one week after release. And it is pissing people off because <laughs> it was one week after freaking release. And they're like, yeah. well, what was it on the disc and all that? Um, I mean, there's there's these models that just uh, – you wonder about the profitability of them versus the backlash. But it's like we've trained ourselves now as gamers to be like, well, you just sold me the bun and not the burger right, kind of right. thing on everything. Yeah. We, we are – and that's a cultural thing. I think we are reflexively – um, we look for ways to be victims of something so we can mm-hmm. rage against the machine, so to speak. Yeah. And in this case, it's you have paid DLC that has nothing to do with it that I don't actually have to buy. You bastards are just ripping me off. Wait, wait, you didn't have to buy it. Did you buy it? No, I didn't buy it. So you didn't waste any money. <laughs> I wasted my money because they had DLC. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and did Time out, time out, logic check. Um, so yeah, but I think now that we're caught up, I think hopefully now we can get a little bit more in depth with some topics as we get into our next episodes, assuming it's not you know another month. Or- hey now, hey now. Well, hey, listen. <laughs> I mean, that was. I, I don't know if we made mention or not, uh, but you know, I was I was out getting fingerprinted today because apparently with my job that's a thing it's like oh hey you're getting a promotion now it's up to you to go someplace and get fingerprints and it's like well where do i figure it out okay great and it's just been thing after thing but point being with that will come more consistency and um you know you and i will be able to actually uh match up our schedules a lot better so that that'll be good 
And hopefully I won't be working six days a week. Or if I am working six days a week, it's like I work six days a week, but I'm not working like 12 hours each of those days. So. And all it took was registering your fingerprints with the man. That's right. Uh, I can't say thing. I had to do the exact same thing when I renewed my teaching certificate. So ah, we're all in the system. But, uh, <laughs> we're all they got us. Did they, did they actually take like your um, – the like side the of your of palm, your hand yeah, kind of thing, or like the side of it, yeah, yeah. I guess they, it, the uh, karate chopping criminals are running rampant, and they've got to, they've got to get those two to put a stop to it. I don't know. I have no idea what they're. I don't know something, something <laughs> like that. I just, uh, yeah, it's it's cool. It's all digital now. I'm just like, yeah, just scan those fingerprints. Then you can just send them straight to the CIA. No. Straight. <laughs> <laughs> To, to Russia? Are they going to Russia yes. now? Straight to Russia, so they yeah. can be prepared. So you you can be like, uh, what's his name? Uh, idiot man who who answer phishing email and give access to <laughs> DNC servers. Yeah. Or, or his email account or whatever. No, the Russians hacked. No, he was a dumbass. That's not hacking. Uh, I'll show you if I'm hacking. Clickety-click. Uh, well, anyhow... Anyhow, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our cue to wrap up because we are we are going astray and just kind of like, so so. what's your schedule like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, hey, I tell you what, though. Why don't you go ahead and give uh, some information of where people can find you? Well, sure. You can find uh, my YouTube channel with uh, reviews of various new releases. I will have ones up very soon here, probably by the time this episode is released because it'll be in the next day or two that I'll get this up. Um, we'll have uh, the new X-Wing ships showing up uh, as part of the reviews that are on there. You can also find my From the Star Wars Home Video Library and such on there. That's youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio. Uh, you can find Star Wars Beyond the Films that I also host with Mark Herleman. That is over at starsreport.com, just like Cloud City Casino. And uh, bigger news, I guess, it's been so long. Maybe I haven't even mentioned this on this show. Uh, I'm in the process of finalizing a book, a self-published book on Star Wars Home Video Releases. Uh, about 250 pages, about 72,000 words, about 300 pictures from my own collection that gives you essentially a guide to American Star Wars home video releases from uh, basically Super 8 reels in 1977 that aren't technically video. People will gripe, home film, whatever. Um, all the way up through the present, uh, categorically, chronologically, and uh, even with a handy checklist in the back. So I'm almost ready for that. I'm hoping that'll be ready to go by celebration or by the 40th anniversary of A New Hope. It all hinges upon when they announce the home video release of Rogue One and when that release winds up being as to whether or not, well, as, as to the timing, because I kind of want to make sure Rogue One is in there so it's not immediately out of date. So are you gonna, we'll see. you going to sign people's copies at uh, Celebration if you get them out by then? If I get them out by then, sure. Awesome. Sure, so look for that because we're not. both going to be at Celebration, which is coming soon, man. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's like two months away or something like that now. Woo. Yep. Yep. So that's, uh, of course, you know, everybody who wants to, I, I don't know why you would, but if you want to, you can definitely uh, meet a, up with us at Celebration. I know um, we've got a, a few things planned. Of course, we're. Um, I'm going to be at two events that I know of. We're we're actually working on trying to get a um. We're trying to get a home video collecting panel. Uh -huh. Um, but we've still got about two weeks before the deadline when we hear back on whether that's been approved or not. I put in a proposal with a couple of other guys, but we haven't heard oh, anything cool. back yet. So you know, fingers crossed. And if not, we'll surely be doing some podcasting and some recording and all kinds of stuff oh, over yeah. there because. 
you know, that's just what we do. Right, for sure. Attention and, whores. And even, and, if, <laughs> and even if we don't, like, implement it, um, you know, of course, we'll, because Riley and uh, some of the other Star Wars Report people will be there, and, and Riley's always got his recorder, so we'll maybe end up on one of those. Yeah, yeah um, like a steady cam tripod sticking on his back up over his head that's, like, <laughs> automatically capturing everything. Right. He'll be, like, telling people, hey, can you walk this way? Let me frame you in this shot. <laughs> he is he is a video recording machine. Yeah, and um, you're, you're talking about the potential of you doing a panel i may be doing a collecting panel with uh, eric pfeiffer uh he and i had talked about it and we've actually uh, submitted it but uh, we're waiting to hear back on whether or not that one's going to go on so if if that does happen then uh i'll let everybody know i'm sure he'll probably um announce that on his podcast as well so just uh, so we both be on the collecting track if they both got through which I don't think a few years ago I would have said was my wheelhouse, but dang it. <laughs> I've been to your house. You've, you've got collectibles. They may be, they may be movies in they multiple formats. But. Yeah, and I found one of my holy grails last night and got it off of eBay at 3 a.m., so that's why I probably sound tired. Um, that's that's <laughs> was, fodder for were, a future episode. Were you episode. working? No, I, I was up eBay. Where do they find the other stuff. All right. So, of course, you know, we can be found over at StarWarsReport.com as well. Uh, of course, we have our email where you can always reach out to us, uh, which is just CloudCityCasino at gmail.com. Send us something and, and we'll read it, get back to you for sure. Uh, we also have the, the Twitter page, which is, you know, just at Cloud City Casino. I was talking to uh, Mark over there. It goes by uh, Stuffy. I don't know if you saw that at all, but uh, he was basically commenting on you know, my whole uh, diatribe about how Baby Jen runs. And he's like, dude, yeah, that's how, that's how little kids run. That's totally normal. And I'm like, are you sure it seemed off? And he's like, yeah. He's like, they call them toddlers for a reason. I'm like, okay, well, I guess you know. He's like, I got three kids. I'm like, all right, I'll trust your opinion. Yeah, re-listening <laughs> to that episode after release, I was cracking up. And I'm like, he's going to catch such crap. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I can't help it. It was weird, all right? Kids run weird. Put a backpack on them, and they run really strangely. Um, but anyhow, like I said, we can uh, we can have a little back and forth. You can tell me how I'm a dummy because I don't know how kids run. That's cool. We'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that on Twitter or of course we have the Facebook page, uh, which like I said, could just be found uh, at Cloud City Casino over there as well. Um, besides that, I think that's all of our information. Uh, of course, we you know we read our uh, iTunes review earlier. Uh, we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now on the Star Wars app in the Google Play Store. Um, on any of those go and leave us a review and and we will uh read it and definitely thank you for it on here because we appreciate that um like i said the, especially like with this last one you know got some constructive criticism we'll do our best to <laughs> try to to make that better um and and, and go forward i i know it's absolutely valid but um We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do with that and and once again i, I really appreciate it so you can always um Go and leave us a, a review over there. And then also, um, you can reach me over at uh, Morris Isley on Twitter. And I think that's about everything. Is that anything else, Nate? Nope. Nope. I'm just still here imagining all the flack you're going to get for making fun of how kids run. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, yeah, what's that thing that we always say? Remember... Yeah, I was. Well, I mean, I was gonna change it up. I was. I thought that would be a good cue. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here we go. Here we go. And remember, let the Wookiee win. That's the one. Especially if it runs like a toddler.
Well, yeah, because, I mean, otherwise you're going to be a bully like me and have people tell you that you shouldn't be making fun of the Wookiee for running like a toddler. But really, I mean, if a Wookiee is running like that, you got to be careful because of the flailing arms. Yeah, that's true. Somebody's going to get hurt. Probably you. <laughs> now that you're Especially me. Oh, right. well, that was interesting. Uh, Bojack, Masters of the Hunt, Guardian of the Realm, Dark World, blah, 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 cor- Corruption Begins. And I, I have something. Now, to- now, they, they have Corruption Begins listed on January 16th. I'm pretty sure that was the 20th. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, got it. Okay. And, all right, so let me see. This party's over.